0: Hello and welcome to the Glacier Valley Church of God. Today's podcast was recorded live on Sunday before a full church. If there's anything we can do to bless you, to pray for you, please contact us at 907-789-3605. Glacier Valley Church of God, a place of hope, a place of healing. So I want to talk this morning uh, about, we've been talking about the complete victory of the cross. And, you know, usually we don't preach about the cross unless it's Easter time or Good Friday. And, you know, I think we need to change that. We need to talk about the cross more, amen, because the cross changed our lives, amen. It's because of the cross that we were reconciled to God. Amen? The cross didn't just reconcile us to God, but it undid everything that the devil did wrong. Everything the devil messed up in the history of mankind when he came in and he spoke to Eve and to Adam, and he brought sin into the world. Everything that he caused to be wrong with the world, the cross undone it. It's kind of like an onion. Layer after layer, he undone it. it. He undid it. He undid this. He undid this. Remember we talked about humiliation. We talked about uh the sin and disease we talked about other things we talked about the cross that he bore we talked about all those things and bearing one another's burdens and today i want to talk to you about something we christians have a problem with you know what that is and it's not just christians man It's, it's it's everybody we like to hold on to our pain don't we we like to hold on to our shame don't we almost like it's a trophy when I was uh, down in Mexico one time, they, they showed us, we were out in the desert, and they showed us a cactus, and you ever seen, anybody ever seen a cactus? Or, you know, with one, it's supposed to be cacti or something like that, I don't know the difference, maybe somebody else does. And so they invited us to hug the cactus. And you know, I thought about that would be kind of fun, to hug the cactus, right? No, I didn't hug the cactus, because you know why? It has little sharp needles on it, and if you hug it, it's going to hurt, Right? But some of us were like that. We, we hold on to our pain and we hold on to those things that have hurt us and that shame over the years. And it's like we're constantly carrying around this cactus and somebody says, hey, that hurts. Let me take that away from you. No, no, this is mine. I want to hold on to it. And I question why. Right? Why we hold on to stuff. And I'm going to explain to you today how God, through His Son Jesus, undid that pain that we have to go through. He undid the shame that we have to go through. All of that was done on the cross. Amen. Praise God this morning for the cross. Praise. Man, I don't know about you, but I feel God in this place this morning. Amen. I just, in my heart, I have this excitement. And I just feel like God's going to do something awesome today, don't you? Maybe you don't feel that. Maybe you come here. Maybe you took everything you took in you to get to church this morning. Well, praise God you're here this morning. Amen? Praise God that you're here because God has got something for you if you'll receive it. Now, I know I sound like one of those televangelists, and I don't mean to sound like that. But I, I'm going to say, fill in my heart that He has something for you. He wants to bless you this morning. All you got to do is receive it, right? you gotta, you got to accept it. If I had $20 in my wallet and I had it out here on the, on the floor and I said, come get it, some of you would beat each other up to come get that $20. Imagine if I had $100. Now, I'm married with kids. I've never seen a $100 bill. Some of you give $100 bills in your offering. I says, I want to get to know you, <laughs> right? I want you to adopt me as your kid or something right? You know, but if I were to put put a million dollars here, man, there would be pandemonium here. But what I have for you this morning, because of the Word of God, not because of me, but because of His Word, is so much greater than all those things. Amen? We're talking life-changing. We're talking eternal consequences, what God has for you, not because of me. I want to make sure you know that. It's not because of me. God has something for you. God has got something for you that will change your life if you let it. For some of you, you need to change who you are because you've been holding on to something way too long. Can I tell you that that's unscriptural? Can I tell you that? That you're going against God. You can claim all day long that you're a Christian, but if you hold on to something, you're going against God. And silence comes throughout the congregation. (laughs) It's the truth, though, right? And listen, we don't know that. Listen, I've held on to stuff, too, man. I I hold on to stuff. I'm like super glue in my family. I mean, I hold on to stuff, right? And, And let me tell you, it's not good for you. It's not good for you. Jesus went to the cross so that we don't have to hold on to that pain. Amen. He went to the cross so we don't have to hold on to that shame. And I'm going to demonstrate that this morning by his help and by his glory. We're going to show what God can do in your life this morning. Amen. Praise God. Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. And you, meaning you, point to your neighbor and say, You. Point to your other neighbor and say, Me. You know why I do that? I'm just making sure you're awake. Alright? If you're asleep, I'm going to come up and preach in your ear. <laughs> I do that to the kids. Do it to you guys too. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He has made alive together with Him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Well, man, I could stop there and preach forever. Amen? Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. Praise God. Which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumph of them. See, I can't say that word still. Triumphing, triumph, something. You know what that word says. Say it together with me, triumphing. See, I can't still say some words. It sounds kind of weird. I'm getting there, I'm not quite there yet. You know that word, over them in it. In other words, brothers and sisters, we did not win because of us we won because of him amen he took everything that we're dealing with he took it and it was nailed to the cross praise god it was nailed to the cross so whatever you're dealing with today you don't have to deal with it anymore amen Amen. praise god god said this morning that you're healed God said this morning that you're redeemed. God said this morning that you're restored. God said this morning that your life's about to change if you let it. Amen? The first thing I want to talk about is he bore our pain. Mark chapter 15, verses 22 through 23. And they brought him to the place Golgotha, which means, which is translated, place of a skull. And they gave him wine mingled with myrrh to drink. You guys remember myrrh? That was one of the things, the gifts given to him. He was a baby in Bethlehem when he was born. But he did not take it. Let me give you a little bit of background. Jesus had just endured being up all night long. Some years ago, I was in charge of a youth group and I took him to another church and we were having an all night youth event. And I was uh, I was probably I was probably like 40, 43, something like that. I wasn't you know old by any means like I am now, as we'll see this morning. But still in my 40s, and we were gonna be up all night, and I thought I'm gonna be able to handle this, no problem. About midnight, I was like, I gotta find a bed somewhere. I can't do this. And they said, No, Pastor, you gotta stay up, or we'll we'll do something terrible to you. We'll like. Put your hand in water or something. I don't know. You know, we'll do something mean to you. And about three o'clock, I was getting really cranky, like really cranky. <laughs> and by four a.m., I said, "I'm going to bed. And if you touch me, I will kill you." Right? We had a we had an all night event here at the church with the kids. I think this is probably about three years ago. And and by by three o'clock in the morning, I was like, "Y'all got to go to bed." It's all there is to it. Y'all got to go to no, we. Went stay up all night? You do and I will kill you. See, the killing thing gives it a part of that, right? You ever try to stay up all night? It's, it's just You're miserable, right? And some of you, you know, when, when our kids were first born and we were up all night and that was tough, but we were young and we could handle that. But now I'm up all night, I'm like, I, 9.30, I'm like, wow, it's getting late. Right? 9.30, I'm like, it is. Let's go to bed. If there's a movie that lasts past 9 o'clock, I'm not watching it. And so, Jesus was up all night long. He was literally up all night. He had been pain from being hit in the face, and his beard was pulled while he was in front of the Sanhedrin. He had gone through a scourging that left no part of his body untouched. The nerve endings were exposed. Then a crown of thorns was placed on his head. He was forced to carry his own cross. He was going through severe dehydration, and he was literally nailed to the cross. While He was on the cross, He was dying of asphyxiation. That means He was suffocating to death. He had to literally raise Himself on the nails just to breathe and talk. He was in so much pain and torment. Brothers and sisters, we cannot imagine the amount or extent of this pain. We cannot imagine it. We cannot imagine what it was to go like and what he went through. The Bible says that no one has ever suffered the way that Jesus suffered. He went through all that pain. And you know, i got to be honest with you, when I get a slight headache, you know what I do? I take some aspirin. Right? Because I can't stand pain. You know what that aspirin does? It attacks the pain and it deals with it, hopefully, But I can't stand being in pain. The only way that I don't mind being in pain is if they want to give me a shot. Then the shots, no, we're no shot. I'm not doing that. I remember when our kids were being born, they gave Jenny that epidural. And that needle was that long. And I said, that's going to go through her whole body. But I just couldn't imagine that. But, you know, the pain, I mean, the needles and all that stuff. You know, we take medication to help us deal with the pain. we take medication to help us to numb the pain. Jesus was in more pain than all of us. He went through all of this, but I want you to understand it was important that he go through that pain. It was important that he experienced that pain. And so during the middle of this, they offered him wine mixed with myrrh. They offered him my wine mixed with myrrh. And the reason why they did this, I talked about medication, the reason why they did this, is they knew they knew that Jesus was in pain. This is a common practice with those who were being crucified. So they offered them this concoction, so to speak, as a sedative. It was meant to numb the pain. It was meant to make you feel better. It was meant to take away the pain so you didn't have to endure everything in the cross. But Jesus, listen to me right now, Jesus refused that because He didn't want His mind altered. He wanted and needed to experience that pain for us so He could redeem us from that pain. Amen? Praise God! When he said he took on the pain of the world for us, he meant it. He took on your pain. He took on your pain. He took on my pain. So that one day when I go to him and I'm hurting, he says, I know, son. I took that pain for you. Woo! Praise God. He took on the emotional pain. He took on the psychological pain. He took on the trauma. He took on the physical pain so that we don't have to experience that anymore. He he healed us of pain. But the Lord spoke to me as I was preparing this sermon. He says, My people are in such pain. Because we carry it, don't we? You know why we carry it? We feel like it's our fault don't we? We carry guilt. Actually, it's not guilt. Guilt is what the Lord does when he's telling us that we're wrong. That's guilt. Shame is what the devil does to us, letting us think that we can never be redeemed from our pain. And a lot of us are dealing with shame today. Shame of maybe something that we did. Shame of something that was done to us. Shame because of decisions that we've made. Shame because of the way we've let our kids down, the way we let our spouse down, the way we let our family down. Shame. Can I tell you today, shame does not come from God? Shame does not come from God. God says you're guilty but I forgive you. You understand that? God says you're guilty. We're all guilty. There's nobody in this room perfect this morning. Amen? Nobody here has a free pass to heaven. We get that pass to heaven because of His blood which takes our guilt and washes it away. There is no shame anymore. Shame comes from the devil and it is time for us to rebuke the devil and release that shame this morning. Listen. I don't care if you drunk alcohol before you come in here this morning. I don't care if you beat your kids this morning. Don't do that. I'm just trying to make an example, okay? I know kids sometimes, maybe you think maybe they need to be beat. But no, let's not beat our children. But maybe you made some terrible sin. Maybe you maybe you drove wrong on the road and you flipped somebody off on the way this morning. Isn't that what we do on the way to church? <laughs> I live right over here in, off of... Uh, Uh, Birch Road and between here and there there's sometimes I'm driving I'm like where did you people get your license from obviously nobody was driving with you I think I've told this before you heard about the lady that was behind a car and she was really frustrated because the car was going really slow and and she started honking her horn and getting mad and, and doing gestures and flipping them off and all of a sudden a police car comes up pulls her over and before she can say anything he takes her to jail arrest her, takes her to jail, and she, the police officer comes later and goes, listen, I want to apologize to you, and, and she goes, yeah, you should apologize to me. He goes, hold on, I want to apologize to you because I saw a I Love Jesus bumper sticker on your car, and I just assumed the car was stolen. Think about that for a moment. <laughs> Listen, we get mad, we get frustrated, right? We do sin, we do things wrong, but the great thing about it, it doesn't matter what you've done in your past. The blood of Jesus covers it all, amen? The blood of Jesus covers it all this morning. The blood of Jesus redeems us. The blood of Jesus saves us. The blood of Jesus takes us from a point that we couldn't make it to the point where we need to be, amen? We need to release that shame in our life. We need to release that pain and let God, the healer, come in and deliver us from it too many Christians man they're holding on to stuff and that is what keeps you from moving forward that is what keeps you that is what keeps you from being what God wants you to be God nudges you and says hey I want you to do this and your first response is but I can't God because I'm this way can I tell you a secret God knows you're that way, and He still chose you anyway? Come on now. God knows how you are. God knows I'm a hot mess sometimes. God knows that I can lose my temper sometimes. God knows who I am, but He still chose me, right? And the difference is, is I accepted the choosing, amen? Don't you understand this morning, the Lord is here and He's saying, I'm with you. Amen. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm not against you. But you got to give it to me. See, Jesus determined to feel all the pain, to not take a shortcut, because he had to undo what was done. When the devil came into the world, he brought pain. One of the first actions that happened after Adam and Eve fell was that I believe it was Cain, was killed by Abel. I may have that turned around. I always get that mixed up. There was murder. So as parents, Adam and Eve had to deal with the loss of their son, but they actually lost two sons that day. Some of you have lost kids, so you know the pain of that. Brothers and sisters, God restored by giving them a new son. Can I tell you this morning, whatever pain that you're going through, God will restore God will restore. Every now and then, my wife and I will take stock of our life and just kind of talk about things that we're going through. And inevitably, the conversation comes up to things that we've lost, things that we've suffered. And in every instance of things that we suffer, we always think about, but yeah, God did this though. Oh, well, this happened, but, but yeah, God did this. I mean, and it's both of us saying, it's not just one of us. And then one of us will say, well, yeah, but remember this? But but yeah, but God did this. And we need to have the attitude in the church, but God, amen? But God, you know what God does? That is wipes out everything that happened before, amen? But God, amen? But God, and that's what God wants to say to you this morning. You are a new creation. He is ready to restore. He is ready to heal. He is ready to divide all those things that you've been through. My God. My God went through that pain on the cross. He suffered. He dealt with it. He felt every nerve in me. He felt it for you. It's time we stop blaming God and, stop accept- and start accepting His healing. We need to receive from God. You know why we don't receive from God sometimes? And I'm going to get in trouble with some of you. You ready? You ready? I'm just warning you because whenever I say something that's kind of hard, I want you to be ready. You know why we don't receive that? You ready? I'm going to ask you one more time because I want to be sure it's pride. Pride. Come on. I can't go up to get prayed for. I am important. People might see me. I know who won't see you. I know who needs to see you, and that's God. You realize that we could go so much further in church if we would just humble ourselves? Come on. You know what Jesus did? Jesus was the Lord and Master of everybody, but yet he humbled himself to wash the feet of his disciples. Now, nowadays, by the way, I'm so totally off my message, we're not even close. Nowadays, we wear shoes and socks, right? Right? And that's still pretty nasty, isn't it? Getting around somebody's feet. But back then they wore sandals and they would walk on the dusty roads, and on the roads, they would walk through human waste. They would walk through animal waste. Because they had donkeys and horses and sheep and all those things, right? They would walk through those ways, so when they would reserve the washing of the feet for the lowest of the slave. If you were like, you know, if you were the lowest slave, you got to wash feet. Oh, you're new, you're washing feet. Man. Can I do something else? No, you're washing feet. But Jesus, oh praise God, Jesus, even though He was the Master, took off His coat, His tunic, tied it around His waist, just like this. I'm too fat, this won't do this. Tied it around His waist, and said, take off your shoes, I'm going to wash your feet. And Peter's like, oh, oh, no, you ain't washing my feet. Uh Uh-uh. See, that's pride. And you know what Jesus said? Oh, praise God for bringing this to my memory. You know what Jesus said? If I can't wash your feet, you have no part in me. Wow. You know what he was saying? He says, if you're not willing to humble yourself, you can call yourself whatever, but you're not part of me. Come on now. I know that stings a little bit. I'm just being honest with you. I'm preaching the Word of God this morning. If you're not willing to be humble, because look at what He did for us on the cross. His organs were displayed. His body, His muscles, His skin was literally ripped off. His thorns were going through His head. Blood was coming down. He was dehydrated. He felt every moment on that cross. road was six hours, He felt it on the cross. And you're not willing to humble yourself with Him? That's what we have to do. We have to humble ourselves. Amen. That's what this altar is for. Is for us to humble ourselves. For us to come here and say, Lord, I release to you my pain. But does anybody ever come to the altar, release the pain, and then pick it back up on the way out? We can't do that. It's got to be an everyday thing. We've got to give Him our pain. Some of you have been through trauma that I can't even talk about here. That's how bad it is. And it's going to take you time to get past that. But some of you are holding on to stuff that you don't need to hold on to. You need to let it go. Don't make me break out frozen on you. <coughs> Some of you young parents, you know what I'm talking about. You want me to start singing Let It Go? I, you want me to, Brittany? You come up here and help me? <laughs> come on, we've got to let it go. Amen. And where, where we let it go is right here. Amen. You know what I want to do one day? I talked to Nick about this. I want to build some altars right here. I want to build some places where we can come and kneel down. I realize we have the stats, but I want to put some altars back. I want to put some altars back. Amen? Because man, and that's not a judgment on anything prior to me. I just think we need altars in the house of God. And we're going to talk about some changes we're going to make in the business meeting, but that's not important right now. I'm just saying you've got to bring your stuff to God. You know what else he did for you, in addition to taking your pain? Are you ready for this? He also, also bore our shame. Mark 15, 24. And when they crucified him, they divided his garments, casting lots for them to determine what every man should take. I've talked about this before. Most pictures you see of Jesus, if you go into churches... If you see paintings, famous paintings, they all show Jesus in a loincloth for privacy, right? I'm not trying to get vulgar. I'm just telling you what they did. But the reality is is that probably wasn't true. When the Romans would crucify you, this is a capital punishment, the Romans loved to humiliate the people that they crucified. Do you know why they did that? Because it was a message to anybody else that would defy the Roman Empire. It was a message. And so, more than likely, Jesus was completely naked. He was completely naked when he was whipped. He was completely naked as he was being crucified. Can you imagine our Lord and Savior completely naked? Now, the Bible doesn't say that. It implies it. It implies that he was naked. We know Roman history. We know how they crucified. So that's why we say that there's some scholars that agree with that. There's some scholars that don't. I'm just telling you what I feel, and I'm going to give you scripture to back this up. See, in the, in the, in the, in the, same, in the same way that we say he undid everything, remember at the time when sin came into the world. Let me tell you about this. Genesis 2.25. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and the Bible says, and they were not ashamed, right? So when they were walking in the grace of God, when they were walking around in the garden, when they were walking around doing what they were supposed to do, there was no shame. They walked around naked because they didn't worry about those things. But then sin entered in the world. Sin came in, Genesis 3 7, then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. When sin came into the world, their nakedness was exposed. And so Jesus had to be naked to undo the shame that was put upon us. See, I want you to understand this morning, the smallest detail of everything that Christ did that day was to undo the works of the devil. So many people were going around saying, the devil did this to me, the devil did this to me. Stop giving glory to the devil, and instead give glory to God, amen? Give glory to God. God wants to undo in you. God wants to take away the shame. He wants to relieve that from you. He wants you to know that he stood there in front of his parents, in front of those who mocked him. He endured the cross. He embraced the cross so that we don't have to have shame anymore. Stop worrying about your past. Let's focus on your future, amen? Let's focus on our future. I don't care if you come to this church drunk. I don't care if you come to this church a homosexual. I don't care if you come to this church of transgender. None of those things to matter to me. What matters to me is that you give your life to Christ and that you turn it around and you come to God and let Him do a work in you. Amen? Well, Pastor, you're condoning that lifestyle. Oh, I did not. But I'm not going to turn anybody away. Amen. I'm not gonna turn anybody away. This is a place of healing. Amen. This is a place of glory. This is a place of restoration. Somebody told me one time, Is you need to quit making the church a hospital? And I said, What would you have me make it, brother? I thought that's what the church was a hospital. We're here to get better, amen. We're here to get better. But I do gotta say, some of you need to get out of the ICU. Come on. You've been in ICU too long, okay? All right. We need to get you to the main floor. <laughs> some of you need to get out of the hospital and start working in the hospital, but I'll go to that later. Amen? We need some nurses in the house of God today, amen? We need some doctors in the house today. We got a great physician. Oh, man. We got a great physician, but we need some workers in the house today. We need some people willing to clean up the poop and the puke and the disgusting things that happen to people. We need to get into the the valley with people. We need to help them and let them know when they come to the house of God, we don't care how you come in. We care how you go out. We care how you go out. I'm not here to beat you up if you've got sin in your life. As a matter of fact, just the opposite. I want you to change. But I realize that some changes are going to happen overnight. As a matter of fact, some people, they have urges. that is An alcoholic, for instance, that it's not going to stop overnight. They're going to fall back sometimes. But you know what we do? We put our arms around them and we just love them and say, we got you. We don't judge them. You know, people are unwilling to admit their sin in churches, afraid of being judged. That is a lie of the devil. But there's some truth to it because we look at people and say, well, you did that. No. We should have people come into the church and the first thing they say, oh, I messed up. And then we gather around them and love on them and pray for them and lift them up, amen. That's what church should be. It's a hospital, amen. It's a hospital. I'm not here to make you feel bad. I'm here to give you the word and for the spirit of the Lord and the balm of Gilead to come upon you. Woo, man, I feel a little, I'm about to fall down. Spirit of the Lord just caught me there. Did you see that? Angel reached down and caught me. That's a big angel that could catch me. Amen. Listen, oh, pray. I don't know about you, but I feel the glory of the Lord all over me this morning. Amen. We need the bomb of Gilead. Sure, the words that I'm saying cut this morning, but I know a healer. Woo! Raise God. I know a healer who is ready to come in and say, I got you. You don't have to go through that pain anymore. Now, it may take some time to heal, right? My mom had hip surgery. I think it was about 10 days ago. Day one, I asked her, to say, you ready to go running? She said, yes. My dad said, no. By day three of dealing with her, he said, yes, take her. Oh, trust me, I'll get in trouble for that. Don't worry. It's taken her a while to get past the healing, right? My dad had to wash clothes for the first time in 52 years. He complained about it. You know what I did? I said, this is the smallest violin. I'm playing it for you. Right? See, so I can say that because he's downstairs. Right? He goes, well, you don't understand, I said, I've never washed clothes. I said, aw. <laughs> and my mom didn't feel sorry for him either. You know, we just, we're just laughing at him. He hated it. Right? It takes time for healing to be done you've had hip surgery, right? Right? You don't get up and go running. Now I gave her some time. I said, I give you 10 days or you're out of the house. It's just all there is to it. <laughs> no, I didn't do that. I gave her 11 days. She's on day 10, so if she's not up and about to by tomorrow, it takes time for healing to be done because whenever you go into the body and you do something, the body needs time to rebound. And some of your, your wounds are so deep that God's got to go in and remove that and replace it with His glory. That's going to take time. Some of you, when it doesn't happen overnight, you beat yourself up and you think the Lord doesn't love me and that is further from the truth. Don't make everything on your timetable. It's his timetable. For some of you, it may take years. You may have to go to counseling, which we offer at this church. You may have to go through some things that you're not comfortable with. But isn't that the point that we have to give ourselves back to God? We have to give ourselves to God. He wants to heal you. He wants to touch you. He wants to revive you. He wants to make things right for you. I want you to hear me this morning. The Spirit of the Lord is on me this morning. The Bible says about Jesus, the Spirit of the Lord has come upon me that I might heal and give sight to the blind. The Lord wants to heal you. Okay? Whenever Jesus healed the lepers, in leprosy, their their body parts would literally fall off. You know what Jesus did when he touched them? The Bible says that the person was made whole, meaning that that part that was gone was restored. Their finger was back. Can you imagine that? The finger was gone and then all of a sudden it's there? If it happened in the Bible, Jesus said, Greater things, greater things will we do. Was he lying? Was he lying? God is not a man that he should lie, right? Then, if he wasn't lying, there's some of you that have leprosy of your heart. God can restore you today because of the cross. Amen? The cross. The cross. The cross of Jesus. The cross. He undid our pain. He undid our shame. And he is ready to heal you this morning. Final verse as she puts on some music for me. I appreciate Mary and Nick and everything they do up there. They're, they're so awesome. I appreciate them. Hebrews twelve two. I was here last night for the third funeral for the Quick Family in the past month, month and a half. But in that entire time that they were dealing with loss, they worshiped, they prayed, they laughed. They cried. But they understand what it means to worship God in our pain. Hebrews says this, looking into Jesus. And I got to tell you this morning, that's where some of you miss it. Quit looking to the preacher on YouTube. Quit looking to Facebook. Quit looking to all these social media things that are not going to really be there for you. The fastest growing industry right now is online therapy because you don't actually have to go see a real person. No, brothers and sisters, look to Jesus. Who is the author and finisher of our faith? Who for the joy. See, when Jesus went to the cross, he wasn't going, oh man, I don't want to do this. Really? I'm the Son of God. He didn't do that. The Bible said, for the joy. Because you know what he was doing? He was looking at you. He was looking at me. He was looking 2,000 years in the future. He was looking at me and says, that boy Keith is going to come down the pike and he's going to have a lot of pain. See, some of you don't know my story, and I'm going to talk about it right now. But I've had a lot of pain in my life. Things that I won't share with you right now. Things that I've gone through. and, And some of the things that I've gone through, it would surprise you. But that's healing. God saw that I needed his healing. He saw me. He looked at me. There's an old song that says, When he was on the cross, I was on his mind. When he was on the cross, I was on his mind. I can testify today, I was on his mind. But not just me, you. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Brothers and sisters, when he sat down at the right hand of God, that means it is finished. That means he said, I'm done. Everything the devil did and everything the devil messed up, God, I fixed it for you. The only way I can explain it is sometimes I have little construction projects in the church and I'll try to do something and then somebody else has to come in and fix it. Dave usually. Dave has to come in and say, Okay, Pastor, let me fix that the right way, and he fixes it the right way. I'm not allowed to have a hammer in my house, that's how bad it is. But the Lord come in and he made everything right. He made it right. I know that I can make a statement today and say, Who's feeling pain today? And probably every hand would go up. Every hand. I know. But I'm going to ask you a different question. You ready? Who's ready to say, I'm ready to let go of that pain? Because, see, look, if you just come up here and cry and make promises that you don't mean, where are we going? It's just a cycle. We're going to do this over and over and over again. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to break the cycle in Juno. aren't you? I'm ready to break the cycle. I'm ready to break the cycle in Juno. But it starts with us. You cannot expect people to come in and get delivered and freed from sin if we're not willing to be free and delivered ourselves. Who's ready to stand up and say, Pastor, that's me. I have pain in my life. I have shame in my life, and I am ready to let it go. If that's you, I want you to stand up right now. I want you to get out of your seat, and I want you to make your way down to the altar. Don't wait. Don't wait. Come now. Come now. Come now. I'm willing to let it go, Pastor. I'm willing to let it go. I'm willing to let it go. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Man, look at how many people are coming now. Is there more?